podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's okay. Finally waited. Erickson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Emerson Sanchez. Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal! On debut, Tunga Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs! Let's take it out of the way. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane! That is exceptional! Try and place it, wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Oh wow, what a run! Jermaine Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Welcome, welcome, welcome again to another episode of Spurs Touchline. Listen, it's, it's a good show. We've got a brilliant show here today. Some um, some lovely guests, you know. Happy to see you guys here again. Tots, how you feeling, my brother? You had a good week. Yeah, I've had a good week, man. I've had a good week. Obviously, got some stuff to get off my chest as usual, but yeah, man, I'm good, brother. What can I say? <laughs> it's good to see the smiles back, even though it ain't been a it ain't been a great week, but it's good to see the smiles back. <laughs> it's because everybody's over it now, fam. You know what's you know what's gonna happen anyway. Trust me, trust me. Um, uh, we've got our the resident pheasant shooter here as well, Owen. How you doing? What? <laughs> 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 So I don't even know if there was a how are you in there, but I won't do it anyway. <laughs> I'm just like some good old sport. He's back. I'm happy. Just come back from playing some football. And uh, yeah, just buzzing to be here as well. Good, 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 good. <laughs> and our all-star pundit as well, Tapping Tobes. Um, superstar, how you doing, bro? Definitely not a superstar, but I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> I, like you said, I'm, mu- I'm much better now. Um, we've had a couple of days to, to, to soak in what was a disaster of a result. So now, the bank holiday weekend, I've chilled. I've had a couple of days off, so like I can smile again. But how long will I be smiling for? Time will tell. Time will tell. Well, yeah, the, the weekend's coming fast, <laughs> all that weekend came. But before we get to that... Um, I say we start off with, with with the Newcastle review, man. We've had we've had a couple of days to to sit on it. So, um, I mean, Owen, you might as well kick us off. Like, what were you thinking going into the game? I mean, going into the game, um, I knew they'd they'd been working on kind of being more 
being more progressive, like hiring uh, this guy called Graham Jones, who was um, essentially brought in as an attacking coach. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess they got to do some work over in the international break because they were experimenting with this kind of diamond rhombus that's similar to what we had been experimenting with against Villa. Mm-hmm. But um, when I saw their lineups, or when I saw the lineups, I saw the lineup with a three at the back, and they had they had dropped quite a few players. Like they had Paul Dummett, some guy called Kraft. I'm not sure what that is. They brought in Longstaff <laughs> for some legs, I think, and um, Shelby Almiron and then Dwight Gale and Almiron up front. So no Callum Wilson, no St. Maximum. So I was looking at that as like, okay, I'm confident. I'm confident. Like we, we put out the same lineup we did against Villa for for the continuity, I guess. But um, we had Toby or Devirewell drop from the squad. Maybe we'll get into that. Um it was a bit dodgy, but the first half. Wait, before you go like, we... the first half, I want to know: <laughs> Did you see Joe Ellington's name and feel confident? You were Honestly, still confident, yeah? I shouldn't have been, because boy, this this guy's a bogey player against us. <laughs> I don't know what he is. From know. minute one, um, I mean, he was bullying our boy Sanchez. Um, before I get into the performance, I just want to say, like anyone who's been comment in on Sanchez's Instagram or whatever can get that Gareth Bale elbow treatment or the, the, the Didier Sakura studs either way. But unfortunately, he, he was a mismatch against Rod- um, yeah. against Jolinton in a bad, bad way. And they just pinned us back from, from minute one, like the first 25 minutes or so. They deserve to go ahead. They could have scored easily. Like I don't know how um, Hugo Lloris made a great save from one of the White Girls' headers. I thought that went in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel Linton had a good chance, and when they took the lead through um, a narrow on our right side, it, it had been coming. Like Tanganga didn't have a great game either. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened on that right hand side all game because we didn't really have the balance with Lacelso being there. We didn't have Vinny kind of running off the shoulder down the right channel to offer an outlet ball. So we were kind of pinned in with no or little to no option. Mm-hmm. So we ended up giving the ball away deep, 1-0. And to be honest, from that point on, I was actually quite content with our reaction. I mean, we got a lucky goal to make it 1-1. Fine, like we, we didn't really deserve it at the time, but after that we pushed on. And I felt like we actually took control of the game for the first time in the whole match from, I guess, it was like 30 minutes onwards when we did actually score. and. A second goal actually probably came from one of the best bits of play in the whole game. Like the theme of the half for us was only being able to attack through Tangi. So every time he dropped the ball, every time he got the ball, he drop a shoulder, commit two players, and we'd have options all over the pitch. It was, it was just a bit disjointed in attack. But it's funny for the second goal, it looked like Vinicius was actually further on thrown goal than Harry Kane, but he kind of gave it the eyes, uh, used Vinny as a decoy and then done his um, signature no-look reverse ball into Kane and he slotted it away brilliantly. And I was happy and content with the degree of control that we showed for the rest of the first half because we actually looked to keep it. The Celso was decent in the middle third. He didn't really get many things off in the final third um, with his application with his final ball. Wasn't really there, but he helped us, um, he helped drop in and control the rest of the half. So when I saw Sun come on at half time, again, I'm thinking we're going to close it out because where we had the disjointed 
diamond shape, rhombus shape, whatever it was in the first half, I was like, okay, we're going to a more conventional 4-3-3. We've got Lasso in the middle, Lucas on the right, Son on the left. It made it made sense. It made perfect sense. But Lucas was he was horrible throughout. Wherever we moved him, I think he played like three different positions in the game. He was horrible. Son came on. He was horrible. I felt a little bit sorry for Son because whenever he did spin in behind, no one could really find him. It felt like we had no control in the middle. Every time we got the ball to attack, we were just forcing it too quickly. Even, like Kane had a drop-off in the second half. The Celso had a bit of a... Well, he fell off a cliff in the second half, to be honest. Um, and Tangi and... Pierre didn't really control it that well. I mean, I mean, credit to Newcastle as well because they just ran it and pushed us back, pushed us back, and they deserved it. They created chance after chance. Um, as did we, like, Lamella came on. Um, we forced in that ball, which he... That transition where he could have played Sun in, and we were on the Discord, and obviously with Toby watching it, he was ahead of me. And I could just hear him screaming, screaming, screaming. I was just watching it with my jaw <laughs> on the floor, like how he couldn't just play Sonnen. And he still somehow managed to get it to Kane, who almost scored. It's funny, like Lamella fell over and still managed to give him the ball. And yeah, Lamella is insane. He's actually insane. It's like, I don't know, like he's possessed by a spirit of football, spirit of football and mischief or something. But, you know, just a guy. It seems like he has the best intention sometimes, but I don't know, man. He it's does. Like... I, know, I want to like Lamella because he, he's shithousery. is hilarious. But <laughs> this is why I don't think criticism of him is that forced. But we'll, we'll mm. get into it. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it. Um, but yeah, like we all know what happened afterwards. Everyone knew what was going to happen again. Um, it was pathetic, but Newcastle then got the equaliser just through sustained pressure, creating chance after chance, and it had to be that that guy who who ruffled it in. Um, unfortunately, again, like we got caught sixes and sevens on our right side. Um, miscommunication between Tanganga and Sanchez again. Tanganga, that's probably the worst game I've seen him having a Spurs shirt. Um, Rodon. I thought he actually had a good game, to be fair. I know we signalled out a few players who did have a good game, but not many people said Joe Rodon. I think he had a good game and he was a bit unlucky in the situation for the second goal because he was right on top of the ball as it kind of spilled to him. And then Sanchez ran into him and it all it, it just spilled to Willock and subsequently they equalised. Um, and yeah, we... We were about to bring on Sissoko, funny enough, that he, if anything, he should have came on perhaps like five minutes earlier because we know what he can offer, at least a little bit of energy. No ingenuity, just energy. Like, we needed something. Mm. Um, so, but in the end, he brought on bail. We couldn't muster attack to, to win the game. We wouldn't have deserved it even if they did. And to be honest, they deserve to win. Uh, Tobes, let me, let me pull you back to like the first 30 minutes of the game. Um I'll set the scene, like, we're we're kind of under the cosh. I think Newcastle had maybe about five or six shots to mm. our maybe, like, three. Um, I think at this point, we're having, like, nothing possession. It's, it's not looking great. Um, where, do, where do you think it goes wrong for Tangango and Sanchez for the first goal? I just think... I just think with, with Sanchez... The same thing that went wrong is the thing that went wrong is the thing that always goes wrong with him. He has no composure. Like he just mm. lashes at things. 
if, if he needs to make a challenge, he won't think and wait and, and decide when to make the challenge. He'll just make the challenge, even though there's a 50% chance he's not going to get the ball. And it's the same with passing. With passing, he's not measured in his passing. He doesn't think... Um, he literally just clears these lines. And even that, he couldn't do properly. He hits it straight um, to the Newcastle player. And then another thing about Davison Sanchez is he's... he's, he's for me, his positioning is always out of whack, like in terms of when, where where he puts himself to receive the ball and where he feels he needs to be to try and retrieve the ball. I don't understand why he's always being caught out, always being caught out. For Tanganga, like like Owen said, I think it was like for me that's the worst game I've seen him play this season since the League Cup game against Chelsea, where he had just come back from injury and he just he visibly looked well off the pace. But as far as league performances are concerned, that's the worst performance I've seen from Tanganga since his Premier League game against Wolves last year where he made that mistake for, for number two when number two was playing for Wolves. He just, Tanganga, he didn't look, he just didn't look focused the whole game. I felt he was sloppy in possession. I felt that it was too, it was far too easy for, 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 uh, for Newcastle players to, to, to get ahead of him. I felt, I felt like his, his challenges were laboured. I felt even the pass that he, he or even the the, the 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 attempted clearance, lazy again, straight to the Newcastle player, and then Sanchez says, "You know what? I'm going to copy you and just hit it straight at the same player." And I'm going to show you how to fuck up a clearance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You didn't, exactly. You didn't fuck it. Sanchez. Didn't, you didn't fuck it up enough. So I'm going to fuck it up for you real good, and it just and then it just results in the goal. Like Owen Owen says, Joe Rodon played well. You know what, in hindsight, I don't think Joe Rodan had a bad game, but I just I just didn't like the fact that Joe Linton had the freedom of St. James Park to do whatever he wanted. That wasn't just for Sanchez, that was for Rodan as well. I felt, apart from aerial duels, I didn't think Rodan had the edge over, over Joe Linton at all over the 90 minutes. And whilst he was unfortunate for the, for the, for the equalising goal, that, the whole back line was just, was just a recipe for disaster on Sunday. The whole back line, they... Yeah, I, I wasn't. Think, um, you you could say you could say that I think everyone was poor. Sanchez was just like a level poorer, maybe than everyone else. And I think that did put pressure on the rest of the guys. Like it weren't particularly fair for like the likes of Tanganga. Like he did, he felt a bit isolated to me. Between I guess we've all said it already, but between Lasoso and and Sanchez, like he seemed very <laughs> isolated. Um, I I give credit to Owen's point in that. Rodon probably looked better because of how bad Sanchez looked. Um, but I wouldn't say that he looked great in that game. Um, from the defensive unit, in my opinion, um, and I mean, Tops, I'm coming to you to tell me if I'm on crack right now, but I would say probably Lloris had the best performance of, of the back four. Um, Tops, what do you uh, think I mean, I mean, when I think about the back four, admittedly, do you know what, like, Lloris did what he could do. I mean, he, he, he didn't really have much that he could really work from. Um, my case is done with Sanchez. I absolutely believe every single point that Tobias was saying. This is a player who, at his age and have played at this level, and the number of games that he's played, he seems to not be improving. And mm. he seems to be doing a lot of the same things again and again. There seems to be a lack of composure... Um, a lack of like nous and a lack of just 
just doing the simple things right. You know, sometimes you want your defenders to break the lines or you want them to be the first man to do just the simple things right, like clear a ball 40 yards away from the, from the box or head an incoming corner. It, I look at him and I'm worried every time the ball comes next to him. So for him, my case is done. Arguably, I actually thought the, the Segulon, I thought Regulon was was like strangely poor. He didn't seem to have a game that I like, that, that like we are normally sort of we're used to watching him play. Defensively, he was all over the place, diving in very out of position, and he was getting the run around by John, um, is it is it Murphy? Murphy. Jacob Murphy. I mean, like, and, and, and I've watched I've watched Red along quite a bit this season, and he got the absolute run around um, from mm. Murphy. So I was a bit disappointed in his performance. I didn't think Tanganga had the greatest game. I feel like it's nice that he's getting games and he's getting game time. But then again, maybe, you know, as a young player, you also kind of need defenders like you've seen a seen a sort of guys to sort of pull them in and rein them in when they are having off games. Like, I'm sorry, brothers, but you ain't going to get that. Um, I don't think Rodham played badly. Like, if anything, out of the back four, I'd probably say he did the best. But then again, like, when you're playing next, when you're playing next to Sanchez, everything that shouldn't do, it, it really shouldn't do, man. Yeah, I, you made a good point there, Tops, on um, on Regulon. But I, I think I think he's been playing poorly since he's come back from his injury. Since he's come back from that big injury, I think he's played poorly. I look at games against West Ham, he was poor. Arsenal, poor. Came on against Zagreb, poor. I think Burnley. I think Burn. I think it was either Burnley or Palace. He played where I was like, okay, yeah, that's this is a decent performance. But even Aston Villa, like it was mediocre at best and I'm not trying to get onto Regulon because I see a lot of us our, our fans all of a sudden now after a couple poor games people are now saying oh when they're assessing our signings they're now saying oh Regulon's been okay he's hardly set the world alight and I'm thinking like this revisionism is nasty because before <laughs> his injury like you know how well this this guy's playing and we know how well this guy's been he's been one of our best players this season so I think the hope is now that whatever it is that he's going through he shakes it off because we need him playing. Like he, he makes such a difference to our attack, and he makes such a difference to to our defense. So we need him back to his best. It's interesting. Yeah. I remember going into the game, like we were all saying. I think on the pod, um, well, not me, I wasn't on it, but um, you guys were saying that I think there was no fit left back, if I remember correctly, or, or we didn't know who was going to play left back. It was all up in the air. So, I mean, I wouldn't say like he was at his best. But maybe it's just like that rust that he just needs to knock off, man. Just hoping, hoping something can happen. Um, speaking of somebody who definitely doesn't have the rust, like Ndombele was, um, he's at his. He, I wouldn't say he was at his best, but um, he was giving us what he usually does. Um, I've got something to throw to you guys and tell me what you think. Yeah, but I noticed, um, I've noticed something about Ndombele that I think is interesting. Yeah. The way he fizzes passes into man, yeah, I feel like sometimes, yeah, and tell me if I'm chatting shit. So, like, let's say, for example, if it's Kane, Kane, you fizz the ball into Kane, Kane's going to control it under pressure, Kane's going to have an idea, in it. If you fizz the ball into, let's say, a son or a Vinicius, I don't think you're going to get the same reaction. Do you think nope. Ndombele has a bit too much faith in some of these men, or do you think it's that they don't have enough faith in themselves? I think he has too much faith no, in No, bro, no, bro. 
Like, like on, honestly, Ndombele, people need to understand his ability to make passes, mm. the right, like, people don't understand, it's, it's even the a skill. Is. You can be a good, you can, you can go to, you, you can be a good passer, but if you can't pass the ball at the right weight and at the, at like the right time, that makes you ability, especially in the final third, to make the passes that at the exact weights. You're passing to Kane. Look, look at the assist for the second goal. He almost gave the eyes to Vinicius, but he knew that he had to fizz it into Kane. And Kane's mm. first touch was brilliant. It basically, oh, basically take it first time. The problem is I'm, I'm having is that he's now doing the same sort of similar things to like Vinicius. And it's just like boing, 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 like a fucking thing. <laughs> and he's and he's never he's never holding the ball. So actually, I'm looking at I'm I'm looking at Ndombele and thinking, fine, final third, you do, bro. And if they yeah. are not on point, then they're not on point. Because at the end of the day, Kane was doing it, but why is man like Vinicius and Lucas not doing it? No, no, don't I'll miss me with that. Miss me with that. Yeah, and Errol, you mentioned something as well. Yeah, but I, I I'm gonna remove Sun from that because I think I don't. I think Sun's first touch is, is is is. I think Sun's first touch is calm, to be honest. But yeah, I do. Get, I, I get your point though, and I think and I totally agree as well. Like some of these players, like Top said, they just don't have the tech to to control a football. That's <laughs> that's how bad it is now. We're talking about seasoned vets. 27, 28, 29 year old football players that can't control the football. They can't trap a ball. And I know it's, it's hypocritical from me, who's terrible at football, but I'm not paid 80 bags a week to play this shit, am I? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm not paid 80 grand a week to do this, and you can't even trap a ball. I think he played, you know what? I think he played well, man. I don't think it was like a, a 10 out of 10 performance. I don't even think it was an 8 out of 10 performance, but I'm thinking 6.5, 7 out of 10 performance, because I felt like. Every good, everything good that we did in that game, offensively, it was coming through him. Mm-hmm. Coming through him, and 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 I can excuse, I can excuse that that him slipping or probably losing the ball in a, a specific situation because more often than not, he's trying to get us further up the pitch and he's trying to create something. And he was the only one in the midfield that was doing that. Him and Hoy, I thought Hoybe Hoybe had a decent game too, but the Celso was offering us nothing. Owen was right with 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 Lucas. Lucas was absolutely terrible. He was popping up everywhere and offering us nothing. And this is where this is where I'm like, I love your industry, but if there's no quality behind it, it's it's rendered null and void. This is it. This is it, man. Like in 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 like the in like the sorry in the formation that we played, right? It was almost as if like, yes, but you have your four attacking players basically in like tight spaces. So you have Kane next to Vinicius or maybe a little bit deeper and then you have a very narrow you have a very narrow Lachelso and you have almost like Lucas pulling out wide and in. If you're playing the balls in between those four players, you want to be you know that you should have the enough quality to be able to make that happen. But time and time again I did not see enough from Lachelso to give me confidence that he was playing in the role that he was being asked. Offering it's terrible. nothing. Yeah. Absolutely it's terrible. Nothing. Like, I in would that, say in, he... in, in, in that way, you're looking at and uh, you, you're looking at Ndombele and you're thinking, fine, he has to take the onus to try and improve anything that we're doing in the attacking yeah. first. He has to. Yeah. He has to. That's the last point I wanted to make because I mean, Ndombele has been with us for nearly two seasons now. Players play, I mean, apart from injury, players play with him in training nearly day in, day out. They know how he passes. They know his game. 
So adjust to it because we we know you rate him. Everyone that's yeah. spoken out of the account without being forced to say rates and Dombele. So you know who he plays. You can adjust to that. Um, Son, I think he's he's very good at receiving those kind of passes. As is Kane. Some of the others, not sure, but I mean, it's on them. It's on them for sure. Hmm. Do you think like I, I don't know like for me sometimes I, I think like um so Tops this is more onto your point as well like the, we, we, the way we were playing so narrow it feels weird sometimes that like, it feels like there's still no link up play like we're all playing so narrow we're in the same places but nobody wants the ball and nobody bro, wants the ball anyone and, knows and, 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 so and I'll tell you why like, and this this is, the, this, this, this is the point I think is very important for someone like you right. You have these type of players playing in these type of positions and they're trying to build attacks or, or create something. But I'm looking at those, especially those front four, and I'm seeing a lack of like patterns, a lack of structures that will allow us to build. Think, think about the, think about the type, like the style of play that we actually did on the weekend. Players who were quite narrow and Dombele trying to do as much as he could, and the only outlet we have really on the wing was Regulon because Tanganga was offering nothing on that on that right side. So you're you're in you're in a position whereby you want us to try and control the ball and progress the ball make like attacks, but there's no structure, bro. There's no patterns. We're playing basically I hate saying this term, but we're playing like with vibes. And we and <laughs> this is why I feel like this specifically when I watch games like this, this is on Mourinho brother. Because as to be able to play with certain patterns, with certain structures, and it looks like every game we're watching, he's not doing that. He's not, and that's why I'm like, sometimes, yeah, you could say it's the players, but if they're not given instructions or, or the right or the right like detail to be able to to and create, especially in the attacking third, like I, I think I read a stat like we had eleven shots to Newcastle's twenty-two. Yeah, <laughs> Newcastle had. Six big chances in which four of those big chances they missed. We had two big chances and we scored. And we hit the, we hit the woodwork once. How is we as a, as a, what fifth place in the league against Newcastle who are basically struggling to keep themselves in the league, conceding twenty two shots? Like this is why so I want to give some like, credit to Newcastle though because they they did a point or Bruce wanted to appoint this Graham Jones guy who's helped them out, which is what Mourinho brought in Sacramento to do. But I've not seen anything, anything of Jao Sacramento's input whatsoever. I'd love, I'd love some more clarity on that because other than the first kind of a few weeks of his like first season or when he first took over, I've not seen any of Jao Sacramento's input whatsoever apart from a few yappy little phrases to switch the play on the Amazon documentary. That's all I've seen. I've not seen... I've not seen El- Yeah, this is what I mean. He's allegedly shouting stress every second of every minute in every language, but we're not pressing. Like, we're not seeing his input. I don't, know, so. I don't even know what our pressing trigger is anymore. Like, I but, feel like but guys, I guys, he, he, he shouts no one does. Press so much. It makes me feel depressed. It's scary, man. <laughs> you, know what you know what it is? You know what it is? It's, it's like he's shouting press, 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 press. And I'm like, okay, cool, you want them to press, but when we are in possession, now what? And this is what I don't get with this, with this team, because I watch these players play, and I'm, I'm of the opinion that players should have hard, they should have thick skin, and they have a minimum standard that they need to bring when they step on the football pitch. But at the same time, when we're in possession, 
what you're learning on the training ground is going to translate onto the pitch. And what we're seeing on the train, what we're seeing on the training ground, or the lack of what we're seeing on the training ground, is manifesting on the pitch. Because when you when we come up against a team that has the slightest bit of organisation, we are dumbfounded. We are dumbfounded, bro. And it shouldn't. It doesn't make sense. Because listen. I'm a fierce critic of some of the players in our, in our squad. We all are. We all criticise some of these players in our team. We all think that some of these players maybe, oh yeah, they're not as good. But you cannot tell me that these players are not good enough that they can't even buck Newcastle. You can't tell me that these players aren't good enough that they can't buck Brighton. They can't play football. We have enough players in this team to be able to, to play a reasonable standard of football that can get us over the edge against Newcastle and can actually put sustained pressure over on a side like Newcastle. So why can't we do it? That's well, the same pressure we... and control is the maddest thing because we, we oh, just can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Newcastle. I, I think it's funny. Like, if, if last week was like a 4-4-2 rhombus, I, I don't even know what this one was. This was some <laughs> parallelogram <laughs> man thing. I don't know. And again, this, again, this is why, again, for me, brother... I keep saying this, like, you can have as many defensive areas, you can have as many, like, perfect. In that game, I'm looking for one of two things, right? Mm. We are uh, a better team than Newcastle, so are we either going to control the ball, retain the ball, try and progress the ball, and attack to be able to score, or are we going to sit back, look compact, look disciplined, look structured? Bruv, we didn't do either. So when we, were, when we were winning, it was like, fine, we're winning, we've got our goals, and now we've conceded, it's 2-1, we're going to the second one. is my team to start doing things that are structured, they look compact, disciplined, nothing, bro. Like, in that second half, we just bust it open, bro. And that's what was crazy, because I look at Newcastle and I think, fine, Newcastle played well, I give them credit. But again, from the fact that we didn't look like we were doing anything, or we we looked like we knew what we were doing in that second half, and that was what was the most worrying thing for me. Like people could say, "Yeah, it's margin. We we hit the post. Newcastle did blah blah blah." But still, like Todd is right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Should we go with Newcastle, brother? I I would say so. In full, fully agree with you. Just to take it back, maybe like one little step. Just just um half time. I would say it looked like to me. We tried to change it at half time. So away from this parallelogram kind of thing. <laughs> we went to, <laughs> it looked like we were trying to change it up, like a bit more like a four two, three one kind of thing, like like natural ten kind of thing. But um it still didn't happen. So it, it didn't feel like it made a change. Do you think that's like what 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 does that come down to? Is that um Mourinho of picking the wrong tactics again? Is it the players not being able to pick up on these tactics? Like, what does it come down to? I think or is it just this, that, this, this tired question now and it's just, it don't work? Is it I think that? it's just both, man. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's some of these players, like we've spoken about, mm. just playing shit. But then it's also, the, like, it's not just one thing. Like, it's a, it's a combination of things. And, as a manager, your job is to try and turn the tide. Like your job is to try and coach these players, get the best out of these players. And right now, he's not getting the best out oh. of these. He's not. 
I want you there, yeah, because in 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 the post match interview, I can't even remember what they said to Jose, but they said something to him, and then his reply was something about having trophies or something. And the question was, was oh, um, just uh, just I think I believe the question was maybe not word for word, but it was like your team are usually renowned for holding leads. What happened uh, today? And the reply, same manager, different team. What do you think of that bullshit? <laughs> so you know what, you know what, he's 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 cheeky because me personally, when a player, when a, when players are fucking up so bad, I have no qualms with the manager pulling them out. But my thing is this: if you want to say it to these players, yeah, if you want to acknowledge these players' faults, you better damn sure acknowledge your faults as well. You better because. I find it quite cowardly that he he doesn't want to take responsibility for, for, for how we're playing right now, as if to say, it's just the players. Like, they're not following instruction. They're not doing this, not doing that. Bro, You what you see on the pitch is a, is, is a direct result of what you're serving up for the, um, when, when, we're, when, when we're not watching, when, when, you're, when you're training with these players. You work with these players, what, six, seven days a week? So what you see on the pitch is a direct result of what, you are coaching into these players on a day on a day to day basis. So when he says same coach, different players, it rubs me up the wrong way because it it almost seems as if he doesn't feel like he has a part to play in the dross that we're we're having to see, and it it, it pisses me off. It absolutely pisses me off, and that's what I don't like about this manager. He doesn't want to take responsibility. Like he he thinks that it's all the players, it's not him, and, it, and that's total bullshit. Total bullshit. If he came out and said, you know what, it's on me, the players were poor, but it's on me, I'm not going to complain. I, I will not complain. What did he say last time? He said something is his fault and something is the players' fault. I can't remember what it was. He was like, oh, if this happens, it's the players' fault, but if this happens, it would be my fault. Something yeah, I I was like losing. Something about winning and losing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I can imagine him just switching it. You know, like he thinks we forgot now and he's just done the switcheroo, man. Probably saying it's the players' fault mm. again now. But that's like the only time I've ever heard him kind of try to take um, credit, I mean, like take responsibility <laughs> for something. And he wasn't even taking responsibility. That's the worst thing. In that, he was saying that to try and throw the players under the bus for what he was <laughs> saying is, is their fault, if you get that's what, what I mean. That's what he does. That's, that's what he does. That's what he knows, man. Yeah, that's what he means. That's that's always something that's going to leave a bad taste in my mouth. I have no problem with him kind of calling the players out word for word like that if it's in the changing room behind doors, because I think players respect mm-hmm. that. But for me, it's it's obviously an egotistical thing with him. We know that, and I think he's starting to see the writing on the wall when he wants to remove himself from that situation because he knows if he's seen as a failure in this job, he's. His career at high level club management is in tatters. So he's going to try and make himself look as kind of high and mighty, for lack of a better term or word, as possible. Because, I mean, that's pretty much all he's got left to hang on to. Because if he's seen as a failure in this, he's not going to land another big job. Period. And talking about um, like things to hang on to, um, Mourinho is desperately, desperately hanging on to that last bit of reputation that he got from, um, I think it was finishing second um, with United. and no, yeah. the, greatest, was it? the greatest achievement ever, apparently. <laughs> Winning, what, so, did he win the Europa League there? Yeah, I can't remember, United. sorry. He won the Europa the year before that. 
yeah, before, and then he finished second the next year. Yeah, so he's he's still hanging on to that. I think that's his last sort of like big achievement. If you want to call it that? Um, do you like at this point? Um, before we go into like a little preview of, of the Man United match, um, what I want to ask is at this point, are Man United justified in getting rid of Mourinho for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Um. I don't know about I don't know about Good question. getting Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the first place, but I, th- mm. I personally think it was a it was a left field appointment, an appointment that didn't really make sense at the time. But I think Ole earned that job based off what he did when he first came in into the job. Like he he set he set the world ablaze within a good three four month stretch as well. So he earned their trust. Some could say, yeah, they should have waited and maybe not committed so early and just let him go at the end of the season. But for whatever reason, he got the job on, he got the permanent job on merit. But the sacking of Jose Mourinho was 1,000% justified. 1,000% justified. Man United were a sinking ship. He was already alienating himself with, with, with the players as well. They were going nowhere fast. It was just a bad, bad atmosphere. And results were getting worse and worse and worse. So he had to go. He had to go. I don't think Man United fans will... will whatever their, their grievance is on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I don't think any Man United fans will will be mad um, about the sacking of Jose Mourinho. You know, so I guess we all agree. Um, <laughs> would, would, would anyone have Ole um, at Spurs? No. No? no. Okay. No. Nope. Will agree. Nope. Nope. One thing I find interesting about um Ole and it's um I guess like in juxtaposition to Mourinho is <coughs> I've always said Mourinho's had this he's got this whole philosophy where he wants to I guess we, we call it negative football, anti football, whatever you want to call it, but he wants to have the ball less than his opponents so that there's less of a an opportunity to make a mistake. Um, apparently, like that's that's part of his philosophy. So, I think um, with a team like Spurs that maybe have the history, if you want to call it that, or the, or this mentality, um, I don't think that philosophy fits because I think that if you give us the ball much less than the other team, um, it, we have more pressure on us when we have the ball, and therefore we're going to make more mistakes. And then I think is that's in like direct like um, opposition to what Ole does at the moment. So if you look at um, a player like Bruno Fernandes, he reminds me of how of Deli Ali under Pochettino in that he tries lots of things per game, like hundreds of things. So many of them won't come off, but because he feels free and he feels like in this environment, I'm allowed to actually try these things. I feel like that environment lets these players. It, it lets them be able to believe in themselves so that they can make things happen. So, like an example of it, Man United, you believe that they're going to score, like even when they play terrible, even when they, they look rubbish. Going into that last 10 minutes, you believe they can steal the game. Um, I would say it's the opposite for Spurs. Going into that last 10 minutes, you feel like we're going to concede. And I, I think it. the manager's philosophies have a lot to do with that. I don't know if you guys um, would agree. I agree. I totally, I, I 100% agree. Mm. I think a manager, a manager who believes that his most optimal method of managing a game is when we don't have the ball, is scary. I think it's scary because anyone can see, can look at Spurs 
and you can see our weaknesses. You see that we have players who are incapable of concentrating for 90 minutes at the back. You see that we are a team that are prone to making mistakes. You see that we are a team that can't withstand pressure. So the best thing for us is to be in possession. We, we, want, we want to have the ball. So when you have a when you have a system, a primary system, not the only system, but a primary system that means that we surrender possession no matter who we're playing, it's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for disaster and nobody everyone can see it except him. Everyone can see it. I wouldn't even say he's parking the bus now. I just don't think he can coach us properly because like like Top said at the start, we've gone from completely surrendering possession and, and sitting back to now weirdly surrendering possession but not sitting back but also not pressing but also not being compact we there's nothing there's absolutely nothing there's not there's nothing niche mm-hmm. it's bad mm. <laughs> uh, i i agree with toes man like you know i'm i'm a big advocate of like genuinely attacking football on the, on the Pochettino, that was me in my bag because I was completely happy when I'd watch us play and I'd see certain patterns of plays, a style of football. But, you know, I'm never going to be an advocate or someone who believes in a style of football where at the top level you're going into some games or not to have the most possession or not to score the most amount of goals. Like, I, I just can't believe in it. And... The one thing that also worries me about it is that at the top level, there is no other team who plays like this. No other team who's successful that plays like this. So what the kind of players that we have have to be like happy to concede these type of performances, to concede this type of style. It's not, it's not on. It's not on. And yeah. it is down to the manager. Final players will make mistakes. Final players will do X, Y, Z. But ditching, and this is largely down to him. So I can't really be in the mindset that, like, at least with Ollie, right? Okay, the thing, okay, you can look at United and people people call them a moments team, but they have the confidence and the bravery to just attack. Nine times out of ten, they're going to go into games and they're going to have the opportunity to score, even if it means at the expense of their defence. They're constantly putting themselves in a position where they can have their most attacking players, their most clinical players, put them in areas where they can score goals. We have on that level, but for some reason, we don't play two away to benefit these players. These players that we have are just exceptionally clinical. That's literally Mm. it. You know what, as well, yeah? Um, I think, Owen, I think you wanted to say something. I'm not sure if you had it on mute. Yeah, I did. I did. I was only going to... Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With the Credit Karma Money Spend Account you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. 
No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I say, like, I, I genuinely used to think a pragmatic kind of playstyle would suit us because, obviously, we, we do have a weaker defence. We know that we wanted to protect it. And I think Mourinho wanted to try and follow, obviously, the example of his previous teams, but also the example of Ranieri's Leicester or Conte's Chelsea, both pragmatic title winners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mourinho before that with uh, with that Chelsea team. But for me, I, got, I just don't think the players are starting to rate him less and less because the integrity of his work is just gone because we've, I think we've changed play style at least four times since he's arrived. It's weird. Like we, we kind of started out as this kind of attacking team which kind of attacked a little bit differently with the lopsided. Then after Project Restart, we concentrated on being more solid defensively and then we kind of started to attack more this season then went to part the bus and now we're kind of caught in limbo again so I mean this is why the players don't rate Gonzalo and Sacramento or Jose Mourinho when they're shouting press or shouting instructions because what does the integrity of your word even mean if the players are dictating how they want to play anyway whether it's right or wrong I guess the point is the integrity of the manager like I I would understand it if he stuck to just that one kind of pragmatic style and then just made little refined details and little little adjustments to that style. But if you're shifting the whole instruction, the whole instruction of the team, the whole play style on a periodic basis, then what does what does your word even mean at this point? See, it's it's funny. I know. Um... We've got the whole like um hot like touchline hotspur civil war going on over over Mourinho and whether it's supposed to be like whether it's Mourinho or the players. But it's interesting, I think Owen, you like you said there, there there has been like some semi recent success with these kinds of um with these kinds of uh tactics. Um and I think it does come down to not only just being a case of Mourinho's tactics being negative, it's negative for this group of players. I think um, it's funny, like, being the whole, sometimes I'll sit here and hear you guys arguing, like, or you guys versus Yao or whatever, and I feel like you're making the same point. You're making it in a different way. Like, the players <laughs> definitely need to go. Like, if the next manager comes in, some of these players, we know the ones we're talking about, 100%. they still have to go. And the manager does have to go because no matter how you look at it, even if those players were to become squad players, he still can't get anything out of them. It, 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 you, you could even go as far as to say he's given up on a lot of them. Like, I feel like he picks a team, he picks an 11, but, like, what is the starting? There's no starting 11. Like, he doesn't care about it that much. He's just trying to get through the season, if you get what I mean. It feels like from, mm. from the outside looking in. Well, as a way. Yeah. Well, you know, as a way. <laughs> you, know is, you know what is the error as well? Like, no, nobody is going to, honestly, and I, I think I've said this a gazillion times, Nobody is going to complain if he sets up pragmatic in certain matches. If you set up pragmatic when this, when this situation permits you setting up with a pragmatic style, nobody's going to complain. Mm. Against Man City when we won 2-0, concentrated performance for 90 minutes, sat back and looked menacing, actually went at them on the counter-attack, nobody's going to complain. For me, it's all about picking your battles. But yeah. for the lion's share of the games we're playing, with the players that we have available, you should be looking to play on the front foot because you have the players at you have the play you have the players at your disposal to play on the front foot. And then you have the added fact that you have a defence that is incapable of consistently playing a pragmatic style. So for me, 
it's obvious what, what 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 the optimal style should be for Spurs, and yet he he can't see that. He can't see that. It's weird. And Owen said it as well. He's tried to change it up, but he just can't get it to work. And mm. for whatever reason, yes, we talk about the players and stuff. We know some players need to go, but from when you can't get a clear style that can work with this team, there's problems here, mate. There's there's problems. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's not ideal. And I mean, um, uh, how much detail do you guys want to go into on this United match? Should we just do some predictions and move on to um, <laughs> yeah, of, of, of the yeah, Spurs yeah. fans? Let's, let's keep it brief because I, I don't think... I don't think a lot of us are looking forward to this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I like you, I think you were spot on just now. To be honest, holds that um, pragmatic when the opportunity or, or when 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 the opportunity arises or when the situation calls for it. And I mean, if he was to turn up um, pragmatic with a plan, like what we saw against Man City, I'd have no problem with that. If he's going to turn up looking like the first 30 minutes against Newcastle, I'm probably going to... You're going to hear me shouting, press off, press off, press, <laughs> press off on the TV, babes. We're going out. That's what you're going to hear me shouting. <laughs> but um, anyone else? Any other predictions? What do you think is going to happen? Mm, the United game? Draw. Yeah, score draw again. Boy. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just hopeful. Uh, I feel like there's a little bit more pressure on United. Um, it's going to be nice only playing one game a week now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at home, if that means anything these days anyway. So I'm quietly confident we're not going to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, I don't think Rashford will be available for that as well. I believe he's... Um, kind of being risked tonight through injury. This is um, going off Murga sources, so Murga sources, if you're wrong, then quit your mind games. But, um, yeah, I, I don't fear their attack without Rashford. And, I mean, I'm going to say that and then Martial's going to pop up with his only good performance from now to the rest of the season. Right, yeah. so, um, yeah, do you know what? I'll go score draw. Is he injured as well? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't, yeah injured, I don't fear their attack that much. Would you start Lamella? You know what? If he can replicate his performance at Old Trafford, you know what? No, if he can replicate his performance at Old Trafford, then maybe for the elbow, maybe for the elbow drop tools. I don't want him. I don't want him playing. I don't want that guy who can't release anything to save him. Listen, that guy here, that guy. If he, if he invested in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, back when it was in 2013, I promise you he'd be a trillionaire by now. Mm-hmm. All this guy knows how to do is fucking hold. Hold, 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 hold. Stop <laughs> need to save his life. I don't want to see him anywhere near that pitch on Sunday. I don't want to see him anywhere near that pitch on Sunday. I don't want to see it. Oh. And you know what? I get flashbacks of the game he had against Man United last season. You remember it, the first game for Project Restock, and he was terrible. Yeah. Every single time we'd find him in good positions. The one thing he's good at, getting getting himself in good positions, he'd drive and drive and drive, 3v3, 2v2. And every single time, holding on to the ball for too long and making the wrong decision. I don't want to see his face on Sunday. I just don't. I don't mm. want to see his face. I don't want to yeah. see it. It's sticky, man. It's going to be a difficult one. Oh, Rashford just scored. Yeah, yeah he just well, scored. Bloody. 
That's what I'm saying, bro. Nobody was talking no, no, about United no, no, playing no, well, and then out of nowhere, bro, this guy just no. comes and just goes, starts feeding the poor and that stuff. I trust Tangy to put Pogba in a sniff as well. I can't lie. I mean, that, fit, that midweek fitness is no joke. That midweek mm, fitness mm. is no joke. They're probably going to just start McFred and then try and shackle him. But so I, I think Ndombele would have Pogba's number. Um, Bruno Fernandez will be him. But, you know, we've got Kane. Son back from injury now. Mm. Boy. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm quite confident. You know, I think we'll... We'll steal it 2-1. Like, we'll steal it 2-1. Um, I, I, I hope that they don't try and avenge the 6-1 within them because we need this win as well. <laughs> we're, we're at home and like looking at the way that they play, I just don't want any of their main guys to dunk on us. Like Martial's not there, so don't worry about him. Green Greenwood's only started kind of scoring in the last couple of games. Obviously, the main guys I'm looking at really is like keeping Pogba quiet, making sure that Rashford doesn't do his thing, making sure that Bruno Fernandes doesn't do his thing, because, you know, they those are, those are their main guys, really. But again, you know, mm. I, I want Son to get, he owes us one. I think Kane will probably register at some point as well. Like, I, I don't trust our defence, but you know what, at this point, like, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking about it, because I feel like a broken record just just speaking about that defence to be honest with you so for me, what will be, will just, be, we just don't lose we just don't lose it, on the week That's it looks I mean. like two poorly coached teams so we're just on vibes but we've got more of um, potent products available so on paper we should win right nah we shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> no. we shouldn't win I don't, I'm not I'm not expecting a win at all I'm expecting a draw or a Man United win I have no confidence in this team against against any side Eighth place or higher, I don't have any confidence. <laughs> What's the point? Well, you know what? Hopefully, Sai and Yao are a bit more confident in the um, <laughs> in the head to head tomorrow in the fight card. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're locked in for for the uh, Mugar versus Touchline Hotspur fight card as well. Um, make sure, make sure. You know, it's going to be a spicy one. Man. It's definitely going to be a spicy one. Um, and let's have some fun as we wrap up the pod now. Um, if you guys are following us on uh, Spurs underscore Touchline, you would have seen a lot of um, a lot of engagement today. Um, we were ruffling some feathers, so we asked our um, loyal followers, "What are your Spurs opinions that um, cause people to have knives at your throat?" Pretty much, um, and I want to start with probably the the most wrong opinion of all time, which is. Uh, give Ben Davies a long-term new contract, <laughs> <laughs> and that's from at, um, at JJ Wyaf, I think um, JJ Wyaf on on Twitter. Um, ben Davies right a on. long-term contract. <laughs> it was wrong the first time we gave him yeah, a long-term yeah. contract. Yeah. To be honest, with <laughs> no. I like Ben. I, I, I like gentle Ben, man. I've, I haven't got any, any problems ben, with him. Like I keep saying on on Twitter as well, like. My problem with most of these players is that they're starting, and and Levy just hasn't bought any more starters over the years. Like it's not their faults, man. Uh, so next one, this is from Glenn Knights. Stevie B is a player who's struggling under a dictator. When or if we get a young progressive in, we will have a real baller on our hands. 
Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm I'm on the fence about that because nah. I've just not I've not seen enough of not him this season. Nothing. I basically nothing of the season. I feel like yes, there's a player there, but I mean, if he's a young bowler, he should be season. Like, how is it that he's not even getting game time at the moment? Mm. He's not even getting game. Nothing. Hold, 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 hold your stocks, yeah. Hold the stocks. Don't get rid of teeth. Hold, 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 hold the melon. Hold, hold, hold like the melon, man. The thing is, I, I actually think Berg. I, I don't. I don't know about baller. I think my ratings of Bergwijn has gone down definitely, mm. but I still think there's a player there. But I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that Bergwijn is suffering this loss of confidence and whatnot just because of Jose Mourinho. I don't think that's true, and I feel like. To do that is almost putting too much on Jose Mourinho. And I think as fans, we need to be able to distinguish what is in the manager's control and what isn't in the manager's control. And I think what we've seen from Bergvine this season, irrespective of whatever system, has just not been good enough. So mm. I can't really co-sign the fact that, oh, Bergvine's only playing like this because we've got Jose Mourinho as our manager. I don't know about that, man. I, don't, I, I can't, well, I can't <laughs> Well, you're going to love our next opinion then from Quint22SI. Uh, he says, Jose Mourinho is not entirely to blame for the on-the-pitch on performances. True. Uh, I think he's right. I don't think... We can get with Yeah, only the, most, only the most stubborn Spurs fan or Jose Mourinho hater would, 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 would disagree with that. I think any, every balanced Spurs fan can see that it's not just Jose Mourinho. It really Mm. isn't. Ah, Uh, This is from Shug Sentinel. He says, we are dangerously, dangerously close to losing our big six status. That's a controversial one. What do you think, guys? I agree. Yeah. And you got, you're going to come off the big six show there. I agree because you look at the direction that this club mm. has decided to go with, with hiring Jose Mourinho, with not replacing some of the players that need to be replacing, with clinging on to the players that need to be clinging on to. I'm not saying we're going to lose it straight away, but there is definitely a chance that we could because Leicester are in the ascendancy. Yeah? They're in the Leicester are in the ascendancy. They're not going any they're not going away anytime soon. And it doesn't look like Jose Mourinho is going to get sacked anytime soon as well. So I don't really have any confidence in us finishing in the top six this season and then maintaining that next season as well. I, I just don't... I, I'd need to see drastic changes. So, for me, there is a chance that we could potentially lose our big six status. We could. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree, but then I also, we've also been a team that have been in the traditional big six for a number of years, and there's not many other teams outside Chelsea, Arsenal... Well, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, Man City, who have been likely, if you take away maybe Leicester's winning season, after that, we've really been the only consistent team to be in that sort of six. Like, Pochettino was very, very good at keeping us there and pushing us to where we are. Last season, we, what, managed six? Was it six last season? I feel like 
it, it would be a bit harsh to say that we'd be losing our status as the top six team because we have traditionally always finished there as opposed to other teams who have really kind of been quite variable. But again, you know, like, I also look at us again holistically and I see that we are doing all the big things to put ourselves in the position to be a, a big club. But I feel like the place that we're letting ourselves down the most is on the pitch, which is the most important place. Like, you can, you can technically even include Leicester in that because they've you're looking at Leicester as a football club. Have they done anything in Europe? No. Have they won consistent trophies? No. Have they signed top players? No. Do they have a stadium like ours? No. So it, it, it is a 50-50, but largely I will sort of lean to basically saying we will be taken out of that top six. I, I feel like we have earned the right to be there, even though we haven't done much in terms of winning things or looking, if we were comparing to other football clubs. But I think we definitely have earned our right to be included in that conversation. Yeah, um, so this is from uh, Just J ninety uh, three, Just J zero nine three. He says we need to sell Kane and rebuild like Liverpool did with Coutinho. And then uh, Mr. Darren underscore T uh, has has come back and said the bail money we we used to get flogged about would just turn into the Kane money. What's your thoughts on that? No, I mean, if anything, we need to try and generate a l- as much money as we can from the players, which we do need to sell. There are quite a lot of them. We can mm. st- There is a slight market to get some money from them. Um, and who knows, like we, this time next week, we might even be announcing a naming rights deal with the with the stadium, which could provide an injection of money. Like, you know, so we, if anything, the only player I'd say we would need to sell for big money to build around would probably be Human <clears throat> Son. Mm. But, I mean, if anything, we've got to build a team around Harry Kane. Like, Coutinho's different. Uh, the dynamics are a bit different. Like, Coutinho didn't come through Liverpool's academy. They bought him for a really cheap fee. And Barcelona offered stupid money for him. More money than we would actually get for Kane. I don't know why they bought him for £140 million, depending on how that deal was even structured. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily trust our current transfer committee with that money anyway um, but if, if if there was a player that had to go it would be Son I would and, the, yeah. the thing is no, no I, I, hate, I hate I hate Owen I, I get the I get the point that Kane is the biggest the big ticket item in our squad and he would generate a lot of money but we're in a we're in a period where the money that we would ask and we'd be well, well within our rights to ask for Harry Kane, only like two or three teams can pay it. And those two or three teams that can pay it, they might choose to go for the younger player who will cost less and they'd be well within their rights to do so. So for me, it's all about generating funds from the players that we need to sell. Like I'm looking to, to sell off the players that we need to sell first. And if we can do that, and we get a bid in for some of the, the, the better players, then of course we're going to have to consider it. We're going to have to. At least two of those three teams as well would be in the Premier League. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. are we really going to be surrendering like surrendering ourselves like that? I, I wouldn't want to see it. I, I wouldn't want to see it as well, but I think we would. If the, if the, if the right offer was put in, I think we would sell, for sure. Because you know Kane and Son, of course they're going to have aspirations to leave, but it's more cases financially... 
who's going to come in with the money that we so it's a 50-50 for me I can see them I can see one of them going I can see one of them staying so I don't know um, I'm in your opinion what offer sorry what's that in you guys' opinions, what's the right offer for Kane and Son? At I think Kane right is bad. Kane, I wouldn't. If I'm Daniel Levy, I'm not accepting anything less than 150 million. If I'm Son, yeah. if I'm Son, two years left on his deal, I'm looking at around. I'm asking. I'm not saying we're going to get it, but I'm asking for around 80, 90 m's for sure. Mm. Yeah, I, think I, I can get with that. Both of those, I can get with that. Yeah. Uh, so this one's from can underscore man underscore D. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase a bit here, just just adding his reply. But he says Lamella is the second most creative Spurs player, <laughs> essentially. Kane and Dombele. Ooh, yeah, okay, okay, third. okay. Um, okay. So <laughs> I, I saw this as well, and I had to think about it because I'm thinking, who's our third most creative player? Maybe Stun. Son, Son Regulon, Aurier. Nah, um, I think Son is creative, so I'd say Son, Son, Regulon, Aurier, yeah, uh, Aurier, even Hoybier to a certain extent. <laughs> it's crazy, slim picking the cell. So I just think with, um, mm. I think with that question, Lamella is the wrong player to use. And the, it's frustrating as well because Lamella has the capacity to create. I think he that's does. what he means. Yeah, he he has the capacity. He like you, he has seen the capacity. him. You've mm. seen him pull off the passes that he needs to do. It's just exactly. nowhere near enough and nowhere exactly. near as often as you need him to do it. Yeah, exactly. And even on set pieces as well. Like some of his corners are actually pretty decent as well. But he's just he's not he's a, he's not a serious guy in it. Like yeah. we can't call him our second most creative player because he's not reliable. From a creative point of view, he isn't. All right, I'm going to um, grab the last two from our fellow cast members. So this one's from Sai Full of Soul. Shout out, Sai. Um, he says Daniel Levy is the best chairman in football and should stick around after the takeover. No cap. Hey, Toves, you're keeping the cap on you. It's, it's all cap. Did he say in the league or world football? <laughs> He's, I think he, he, said said in the, he just said in football, in football, full stop. Bloody uh, hell. Is that too far? I don't know, because I wouldn't be able to think about um, yeah, the who, conditions who, of who certain things, because you would say, you could argue maybe someone like Atletico, Bill Bow, who have like, maybe the best like owners or level because they've managed to sustain being in the league for so long, only using local players. Mm. Um, I can't think of anyone else, but given the conditions Levy's worked under, and to build us gradually over the past 20 years, it sounds like a long, it is a long time, but to build us the way he has, it's it's hard to argue in the business sense. Yeah, but this this this, this is the thing. He's a, he, he is a good chairman. He is a good chairman, yes. but he's, he, he, like you said, it's just, he's more about his business than... than than, um, than football. He's a good chairman from a business point. He's an excellent chairman from a business point of view. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's he's a patchy, inconsistent chairman from a football point of view. So I don't really know if I can put him as the highest because when it's come to business over football, he prioritised or he prioritises business over football. And when you're, when you're on the brink of success, you need someone who has a better balance of both and whilst he's been able to take us from where we were 
to where we are now, it's still, for me, you can look at it as like a glass half, you can still look at it as a glass half empty when you look at what potentially could have even been done on top of the good work that he's done so far because of that risk-averse approach of his. Like, mm. I, would never, I would never be one of these fans who would criticise um, Daniel Levy's ownership of Spurs throughout his time, but you can definitely criticise specific points within that ownership where he's shagged us. You can, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I believe it's fair to say that Levy's lacked um, a bit of foresight at times. Obviously, during Pochettino's reign, he obviously just intensely stuck to the plan of waiting five years and then we'll get the funds and to be fair like whenever we've had kind of guaranteed funds he has invested in the playing squad um like all of the bail money like fans would have attacked him if he took a penny of that and not spent it on any any players but at the time we we actually did very well in that market we Mm. spent well in the last two summers um, which he said he would do once the stadium was complete. It's unfortunate, obviously, we've obviously got no fans and no revenue, well, not much revenue. Um, otherwise, I do genuinely think we'd be spending up there with the likes of, maybe not the City, but I guess with Chelsea, with um, Liverpool. But yeah, I, I think I would just add the point where he has invested in the playing squad when he's felt that we've got enough free funds to do so. Yeah, I think um, I, I agree more with Owen, probably. I, I think he has the intent. Um, I think he has the intent to make us better. And I think if you look at it over mm. a scale of like 20 years, I think he's he's achieved mm-hmm. I think he has definitely achieved it. But um, if you start looking at it in smaller term, like when you're looking at the micro, so looking at seasons, individual seasons, that's when I start to agree with more with Tolton tops in that he doesn't prioritise the glory even if there's an opportunity for it he doesn't prioritise that um, do you think wait. the error as well like do you have faith because I know I do I do agree with Owen to a certain extent that like we did see like a willingness to spend and to, 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 to take more risk in the transfer window but that let's be honest that was the minimum that he could do after 18 months of no spending mm. That com- that completely crippled us. Like the rot, the rot had set in as well. So again, I feel like with Enoch, in addition to the fact that they're risk averse, they're far too reactive. Mm. So what I'm asking of you now is, even with the spending or what, like, do you trust that Daniel Levy is going to take more risk going forward, and he's going to put the right people in place to get us the right players to not to not shortcut success and to get the right targets for the club? See, it's harsh, but I'm going to have to say no. I don't trust him to do that. Thank you. I think so personally, but I, I, this is what I do trust him I to agree. do, though. I trust him to not fall off the face of the earth like a certain club down the road in North London. Mm. Yeah? Like, <laughs> I trust him I trust him to make sure that when I look at the league table on my phone, I'm not going to have to scroll down. That's what I trust him to do. Really. <laughs> I'm going to have to start looking for championship. Careful, you're going to go viral. <laughs> no, intent, I think intent is the key word. Like, we can't is, get away from the fact his decision-making at times has been reactive. It's been, a bit it's, been reactive. it's been reactive. Reactive is the key word. Um... I agree as well. I don't think he 
I think it would be a stretch to say he would hire the right people yeah. to then get us what we need. Um, he has done well in the past with Kamoli, but again, in addition to that, he's hired people like Baldini, who was awful. Um, he pretty much threw Paul Mitchell under the bus. Um, I, um, I'm not really sure on Steve Hitchin, as it stands. Like He's been a bit indifferent with his signings or with his input, depending on how much input he actually has. Um, obviously, I think quite a, lot of spoke, uh, quite a lot of us have spoken about who we'd actually like to be in charge of that kind of transfer committee and being the main decision maker, and that person being Lewis Campos or someone of his ilk or profile. But it'll be interesting to see if he does that going forward because, I mean, Steve Hitchens looking a little bit in the mud right now. But I trust the intent to, to spend once we do get the revenue coming in again. Coming in again, absolutely. That's, I think that's a massive factor. Like We had all that sort of projected money that was due to come in. We've had to take this, obviously. This, um, things have probably changed in the way that he probably hasn't liked. But, again, agree with, with Owen. Like Some of the decision-making in the past has been a bit questionable, has been a bit wayward. Um, so do you trust him to make these big, big things correctly? Maybe not. But I do hope that he starts to realise that actually for him to get results from the football club, on the pitch, he has to then put his hand in his pocket and pay the money for what, what is required, the level, you know? Not, and not just pay the money as well, but put the right people in place. Detach yeah. yourself, detach your business-savvy brain as deep as it is in the football matters and let football people make the right decisions, man, because it's... It's fucking us up. It's fucking us up and it needs to change. Like, a good summer of recruitment changes us, man. A good summer of Mm. getting the Deadwood out and bringing in just the right... Like, no one's wanting us to buy marquee players because there's a lot already. We just want to have a few players gone and a few good pieces in those places and Mm. then we're talking. Then we're talking. Like, it doesn't I'm, I'm happen not mad at all the yeah. time. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not mad at a Hoi level signing, like ever so slightly better oh. than what we had before. I'm not mad at that. So, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be a marquee signing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I can say there. Uh, so, before we go, guys, before we wrap up, um, any opinions on Vestergaard and Anderson? Any, anything do you think which they should come in? Anything they shouldn't? There's a little couple of rumours going around. If we could, if we could, the thing is, Skriniar is going to be what touted at what? Like I'm seeing, he's being quoted at what 75 million now because Inter are going to win. Inter are going to yeah, win a league title. People yeah. in their best centre back in that oh. campaign. <laughs> it's safe to say that we're not signing Skriniar this summer. So I would, I, I would take Anderson. I don't want Vestergaard anywhere near Spurs. I think he's he's 29 going 30. Yeah, turns like a double decker bus. I don't really rate him defensively. I know that he can. He's a good. He's a good ball player, but he can't run with the ball. And apart from his slabbed, um, I don't really rate his defensive skills. So keep him away from Spurs and get some get the likes of Anderson into the club because you see what he's done at the Premier League. I know Fulham aren't the best, aren't the best, but their defensive improvement, he's, he's played a big part in that. He's played a big part in that. He's young and he plays for a club who 
by all accounts, need to generate funds this summer as well. So I would test the resolve of a bid for him. I would happily sell two of our centre-backs this summer and bring yeah. Anderson and maybe someone else in. So why not? Mm. Definitely could be a good look, man. Uh, yeah. All right, guys. I think it's been a fire episode. <laughs> been a fire episode, man. <laughs> Hopefully, we go into the weekend and get a result. Um, guys, make sure you keep an eye out for the fight card. Catch uh, Sai, hopefully, and Yao on there uh, against the Moga guys. Um, and catch us on Spurs underscore touchline on Twitter. Uh, catch us on YouTube too. Catch up uh, with Touchline Fracas on um, YouTube and Twitter too. And make sure you're here next week, Thursday, for the next episode. It's been emotional, guys. It's been emotional. No Peace. freestyle this week. Yet. Sports Social Podcast Network.